Welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, a Reformed Baptist podcast with the goal to hold to Scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright, and my co-host over here... Logan Batisti. And we have been on delay for a minute. We didn't have the best weather last week. No, Colton had to work all the time last week. Sure, his wife is happy to have him home finally. Yeah, she was cursing at me a little bit, I think. We did 30 hours in a plow. Holy cow. So, Kyle beat me. He did 34 hours in a plow, I think is what he said. Yeah, I mean, that's still over, what, three days? Yeah, it was rough. That Thursday going into Friday was pretty rough. That day was, that was kind of rough. Yeah, I mean, I still had to go into work too, so I had half days, mostly half days. Yeah, but you didn't have very many people come in. No, I probably had 20 between the two days. <laughs> I don't think we had anybody at our office. I don't think anyone actually showed up. I wouldn't blame them. I didn't even really want to get out, but I mean, I live right next to my job. I have a four-wheel drive, and it's a pretty easy drive yeah. to get to where I work. You so. got like a block, almost two. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, like the first day, like on Wednesday, when it had hardly done anything, we closed at noon. Hmm. Then on Thursday, guess how late we were open till? Oh gosh, three thirty. <laughs> Tell me how this makes sense. It doesn't make it. You're like, so we stay open in the snow. We just, before the snow, we, we're not good with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But I was happy their projections were off because they were initially projecting like 12 inches. I think, I think it was 12 to 18. Yeah, like 12 to 18. And I know here we got about 7 to 8. I think by work it was almost 11. Was it almost 11? Mm-hmm. We got, uh, most of our condos were about 7 to 8, and I was like, man, if it would have been a foot, mm-hmm. ooh, yeah, I'd still been out there going into Saturday. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, it was rough. Condos, they don't care. They they want you out there and clearing. Oh, really? Yeah, they always want pass in, pass out, and keep it safe. So oh, I'm glad I don't live in a condo. It's no fun. So... Yeah, but I want to welcome you guys back. Uh, I know it's been a little bit. We've been in the Book of Lamentations, but today, the real question is, bangles or bangles? <laughs> wow, it's a tough choice there. Packers. But this is Super Bowl oh. Sunday. Oh, the Packers oh, aren't even in there. Well, I know you can dream. They got their tickets. <laughs> I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is there. He probably flew. Mahomes didn't go this year. He didn't go? Uh Uh-uh. Man, they probably give him free tickets. I think I heard there was like a VIP package deal that Shaquille O'Neal was offering for a million bucks. Wow. And it was like, flight out there, like, great, nice time. But it didn't even include tickets to the game. (laughs) For a million bucks and you don't get... But you get to go watch it on on a couch with him or something like that. But you don't, like, it's not at the game itself. But it costs more than to go to the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> spending time with Shaquille O'Neal could be pretty cool. Could. It could. But also, spending money and being at the game would probably be cooler. I don't know. 8000 bucks. It's history. I mean, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's more than what I'll pay. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> it makes me, like, worried about what World Cup tickets are going to be when oh, the FIFA World Cup is here in 2026. I mean, I want to go to one game. So we were... Well, for your bachelor party. Yeah. So the deciding factor between a Blues game and a Chiefs game was the price. Because I bet. Because we were sitting there and we're like, oh, let's get Logan. Oh, yeah, we could we could go to the Chiefs game. And we were talking about it. And I'm talking about like nosebleed. nosebleed. Like mm-hmm. this, uh, the, the only seats that were available were the second tier from the very top. And it was still $100 a ticket. And I was oh, like, geez. I was like, do we really want to spend a hundred dollars to not see the game like at all? And uh, it was kind of like, man, I don't know. I've been up in those seats before. It's pretty far away. You can't see much. Right. I mean, we'd all have to take honey yeah. binoculars, binoculars with us to go watch at it. Just, yeah. And so it was a blues game. Right. I mean, I enjoyed that game. It was a lot of fun. I think the pretty- blues had just won the Stanley Cup the year before. Yeah. And the game we went and watched was against the Dallas Stars, who they had just played to get to the finals the against Stanley the Bruins. Bruins. Yeah. 
That was a good game too. That oh was, yeah, I think that's fun. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Blues ended up winning, it, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, they won. I, I don't remember the score. I want to say it was three to two. Might be right or something like that. But I mean, it was a. That's my first hockey game. That was really cool. Yeah, hockey games are a lot of. I've been to a couple Blues, and then they had like a minor league team there that played at the St. Charles Family Arena. I went and watched a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But I definitely enjoy a good hockey game every once in a while. But, I mean, I'm happy going to any sports game. It it really wouldn't matter to me. Yeah. But everything's getting so expensive nowadays. Mm -hmm. I remember going to the Royals games when they were $5. You know, the dry duck seats. I don't know if I've ever been to a Cardinals game where they were that cheap. Well, that's because the Cardinals were good. <laughs> that's I mean, enough. I was going to the Royals games when they when you they know, sucked when they won twenty games, you know, <laughs> type stuff. It was five dollars to get in, and if you went on dollar night, <laughs> you could get a get into a Royals game and eat for cheaper than you can go to the movie theater. Wow, that's yeah. nuts! You could walk in there with twenty bucks. Which, by the way, Death on the Nile, I will is a great movie. It was a lot of fun. It's on my list. I, I really want to see it. If you like murder one. mysteries, it might be a little confusing at first, but by the those. end, it makes all the sense in the world. I love those. I'm tempted. So I didn't see Murder on the Orient Express, the uh, old one. Mm-hmm. I watched the new one, and then I went back and watched the old one. Well, the new one is what the second... Mm-hmm. Is what it's like based off. Mm-hmm. And so they, they have the old one, the Murder on the Nile. But yeah. It's Death on the Death Nile. Death on the Nile, okay. This one, yeah. And I was like, do I, do I want to go watch the old one or do I want to leave it like complete surprise? Mm-hmm. I kind of want to leave it a complete surprise for when I walk in there. I can't say I've seen the old one, so I wouldn't know what to tell you. It's pretty. I love those. I love murder mysteries. Mystery mm-hmm. movies. Yep. Speaking of mysteries, we're mysterious people. Are we? Uh, I think. <laughs> I mean, the only mysterious thing is our sporadic time for podcast right <laughs> well now. that's what i meant you know we're mysterious you never know when an episode's gonna drop yeah in between sickness weather school uh, i just want to get back to a normal schedule it would be great but i don't think that's gonna happen until no. like spring or something no. like that so after school's over <laughs> speaking of normal schedules what are some things that maybe you do in your spiritual life to get yourself on track is there something that you do to help something maybe a tidbit of advice that you could give people Ooh, that's that's tough i was actually admitting to my wife yesterday that discipline is probably one of the hardest things for me like i i'm terrible at it i, I mean, probably could have went further in soccer if i had been more disciplined <laughs> i probably could have been better at video games if i was well it's pretty disciplined at video games but <laughs> Scripture and spending time with God, needing more time with God, and being disciplined to like do things that help increase my spiritual life is something that I've always not enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first time I realized I needed it was when I was in college. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, going to classes, listening to professors, you realize how much you really don't know. Mm-hmm. For scripture, there's so much more than just reading the Bible, listening to a pastor. I mean, there's mm-hmm. history, there's context, there's application. Mm-hmm. And just actually getting to learn all those things about scripture really pointed to how much I don't really know. Mm-hmm. And I think I try to make time at least once a day where I at least get a chapter read of a book. Mm. My devotional, we both know that. You're better at keeping up with it than I am. But, I, I don't know about that right now. I but am. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm usually behind a cash register. So I usually use those as my catch-up days. Mm-hmm. Other times, I, at one point in time, I want to start trying to at least figure out a sermon series and just write it out mm-hmm. and have it ready for a backup in case I ever get called to preach somewhere or anything else like that. I think looking forward to spiritual discipline and reading like Donald Whitney's book kind of really helps enforce that idea of I need to do it more. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't always get the chance to where I forcibly make myself do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm actually really proud of my wife. Um, she's this is the fourth day in a row where she's consistently done a devotion, and I know she's better at keeping discipline at it than I am. <laughs> so hopefully, her discipline can rub off on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can keep your discipline. But no, that's really amazing to see. I'm glad that she's doing it. That is great. How about you? Do you have any tips to help <clears throat> keep a person disciplined? I mean, I know schoolwork <laughs> helps with that sometimes, but... Sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. Coming from a seminary perspective, it, it's so difficult sometimes to get into the Word because it's you're so surrounded by it. You might think, well, that's a good thing, but you become almost callous to it sometimes. Right. It kind of feels like more like busy work and school work more than it does like, yeah. oh my goodness, I'm actually getting to read about God's word yeah. and understanding it. And really this allows me to have a close in my relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Like my biggest struggle, some, some tidbit advice that I need to get back to doing that I was doing really well prior to having a baby <laughs> was I was actually waking up early and I was reading my Bible and I was having, before I even went to work, I had 30 minutes of quiet time and it was me studying. I know you might say 30 minutes is not nearly long enough, but it really helped me throughout the day. 30 minutes of opening up my Bible, reading, studying. I had my logos open. I, I mean, I, I got a decent study in before I went to uh, went to work for the day and then I would come home and then I would study, you know, for schoolwork and stuff and get more saturation. And it, it kind of like, started my day with the word and then ended my day with the word. Mm-hmm. And as much as our technology, our phones are so wonderful because my phone can read to me, you know, that's, that's amazing. I can, I can actually meditate on scripture all day, but actually picking up my Bible and truly verse by verse, writing it down. I got out of the habit of having a journal. Uh, I, I always used to have a journal and then I would read through, uh, I mean, I did it when I went through Hebrews and Romans, and I think I started even in Acts, and I kept a journal for every time I would read, and I would write, you know, stuff like you you mentioned, like applications or so on and so forth, and then tidbits, and then I when I would come back to it that evening, so I'd read it in the morning, I'd write that down, and then when I came back in the evening, I would reread the passage maybe, and then reflect back on it and see you know, maybe if I just skipped a cup of coffee this morning and, and that's it, was I really that far off? Was I, you know, does it make sense to me now? And it helped keep me direct. But I've really gotten out of that. I need to get back to that. The only discipline I can say that I've been really good about so far is just surrounding myself with scripture still. But I haven't been meditating on scripture as I need to be. Where you're actually... um digesting it right you know i'm I'm listening to it. it it's coming to me i'm I'm taking it in but you lose so much of it when you when you don't slow down right i mean we talk talk about it in my sermon a couple weeks ago where we're to hear the word but mm-hmm. we're also supposed to be doers of the word mm-hmm. so basically somebody just hears the word and doesn't change or anything else like that they're basically just it's as if they're looking in a mirror and don't change their appearance mm-hmm. right Somebody actually asked a question in one of, I think it was in the Baptist Review, and he's asking, so why do we feel guilty about quiet times? Why do we, I mean, it's not something that the Bible necessarily always like, you must, thou shalt have an hour quiet time a day or yeah. else they're sinning. We understand that Jesus had times where he went away and prayed, where he had mm-hmm. his solitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about, Joshua chapter one, where God commands Joshua, you must meditate on my word day and night. Mm -hmm. Don't let it depart from your mouth. I mean, Psalms 119, you see it over and over again. Each author of the Psalms has some tidbit in there about, I delight in the word of your law, Mm -hmm. hide it in my heart so I don't sin against you, or something else along those lines. Pointing to the fact of how we need to be in the word, how we need to know the law. And know his scripture. Mm-hmm. 
but it's easy to let that be a legalistic thing. I think yeah. that's something where I struggle the most is in my head when I discipline myself, I was like, need to do this, but I don't want myself to say, hey, this is what my life depends on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can explain it any better. Like you want it to be a heart change? Is that kind of what you mean? Like, well, like it's not like you write it down. I'm going to make, um, uh, let's say, you know, uh, you know, Tuesday at, at, uh, seven to eight o'clock. This is, this is my time to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes such a habit that it's not a, it's not a love. It's an action. Right. Um, I guess it's, that's the thing is like, I don't want this to become something to where I want people to understand that they need to do it. Mm-hmm. But not because it's, say, 50 Hail Marys and yeah. so and so forth and your sins will be forgiven or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's more of a fact of I need to take my wife on dates because I still love her. I still need to get mm-hmm. to know her. There's other things. And although I'm not the greatest at that either, <laughs> I mean, we probably go out on one to two dates a year sometimes and we still get time to ourselves yeah. at night when scarlet goes to sleep but i mean it's not the same thing as spending mm-hmm. time all day and that's kind of what we're thinking about in scripture here is like we want to say that it's a mm-hmm. relationship with god it's not mm-hmm. a ritual it's not thing but if it's we're going to call it a relationship we need to spend time mm-hmm. with it and i obviously i know that we feel guilty and ashamed when we mess up but I guess the hope and good news is knowing that if we mess up on one or two days, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not based on our righteousness. Yeah. It's not based on what we've done. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done for us and our hope in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saying that reminds me of when D.A. Carson in his book, Praying with Paul, and he mentioned, I, I think I said it before, he mentions praying with your boots off, how in our everyday life, we tend to say, you know, we're always in prayer, so on and so forth. Yes, as we're supposed to be, we should always be in prayer. But do you ever set that time aside specifically for God? Do you ever set that aside specifically for no other distractions? And I think that comes to the discipline of Bible reading, especially for me, just relating to that. Do do I set time aside just for God to read his word, not to work and listen to scripture, not to work, you know, and and listen to a sermon, and not to come home and be quiet and listen to a sermon, but to actually sit with my Bible open and study. Mm-hmm. Not that it needs to be a two, three, four hour, you know, I have to mine under every, you know, syllable and, and so on and so forth, but am I giving my undivided attention to the Lord just as you brought up a great point of bringing my undivided attention to my wife. Mm-hmm. Am I giving attention to my wife? If I'm not doing that, you know, we, I mean, I can speak for my relationship when, when we don't set time aside for each other. Um, even if it's sitting on the couch, you know, just talking, we feel tension. There's tension there. And I think that translates over even into our spiritual life. It's the same in that relationship aspect. Right. It's not like we get a chance to, unload recharge in our relationships yeah you don't get to say <laughs> you don't get to walk up to your wife and be like i just want to break for a little bit you know I just want to recharge and i'll come back to you that's that's not that's not gonna work <laughs> after hearing how many times your wife threatened you today i don't think that's gonna work for you at all <laughs> no one day i won't be here <laughs> oh man but I kind of like Pastor Kyle. Mm-hmm. His message today was interesting. I mean, how often do we think of what faith is? Mm-hmm. Something as simple as faith. Yeah. As Christians, we're good at throwing around a lot of words. Like mm-hmm. Messiah, like love, like faith, mm-hmm. prayer, worship. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all things, terms we likely can throw around easily because of what we've been told growing up, mm-hmm. but without thinking ourselves of what they really mean. As Jeff Durbin says, Christianese. 
That's what he calls it. Mm-hmm. Christianese. You know, you say the same language, but you don't actually know the terms, the definitions. Right. Or that we try to use big words to explain everything. And reality, some people don't even understand what we're saying. No. And sometimes we don't know what we're saying. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's one thing my wife points out to me. Sometimes it's like, I can listen to you guys sometimes, but man, some of it goes right over my head. (laughs) Some of it goes over our head too. Yeah. And we just like, we know these guys are smart. They should know what they're talking about, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's people that debate that now. Oh, man. But I feel like it could take a shot at politicians with that one. (laughs) It's so easy. So easy. But I mean, it's something. Do we really take the time to sit around and think these terms through for ourselves and what they mean? No. And I think just relating, I mean, just bearing what this weekend brought to me with Saturday, we had the men's breakfast, which was great. Awesome breakfast burritos, great pizza. You know, we're good Baptists. We love food. Right. But I felt the, bad because I was the only one who had a glazed donut. I'm pretty sure. I was too full. I, <laughs> I was picking out on breakfast burritos. I had too much coffee in my system. I had to have <laughs> real food. But we talked about sanctification and going along with faith and, and sanctification. I think those are two things that the definitions are. Well, sanctification, we might not talk about that nearly enough. Um, but faith, we talk about it all the time. We don't really understand what it means. I mean, most people, it gets thrown around today, especially as Christians. I'm an apologist. And we always get pitched or pushed against the wall and saying, you Christians just have this faith over here, you know, that it's blind, essentially, is the the character. It's it's blind faith. You just, just believe, you know, it's like it's Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And that actually isn't faith. You know, if you simply believe in something, that, that's not true faith. You have no evidence of it. That's not true faith. We don't believe in God because there's no evidence for it. You know, I don't don't know how many times I've heard, we just have to have faith. Well, if we say that in the wrong context, I can see in context in which that would be a correct thing to say. But I think more often than not, it's said and it's not the right context. And we've brought this character upon when we can't explain something that we just have to have faith about it. But the biblical definition of faith isn't this nebulous, blind you know, non-defining term that you can just throw out there. Well, I don't know how my car starts, so I just have faith. No, no, I I actually trust that my car is going to start. And when it doesn't start, you see, that's when it's odd. (laughs) So I actually trust that my car is going to start. And, you know, I've used the analogy before that the Greek term for faith in the New Testament is pistos which in the Greek world had the term of a title or a deed. It was used a lot of times as far as that. It, so essentially you have faith in your car that you own your car. How do you know that you own your car? You have a piece of paper that says you own your car. But how do you know? Well, because I have a title, I have a deed that says that I own my car. That's faith. The pistos is that that faith, that seal that's what we have, the possession, that's, that's our statement, and that we have of, you know, for God. And so we don't have blind faith, but we actually have faith that is substance. Right. And I mean, that's one of the whole points of Scripture. You look at the New Testament authors, they didn't just talk about what Jesus did. They went back to witness through what happened in the Old Testament. How did Jesus proclaim himself? We were going over the story of the road to Emmaus, and he was talking to the two disciples. And he explained what the Old Testament had written about him, witnessed about him. And I think that's so easy to forget as Christians is that, yes, our faith is in Scripture, but our faith is because of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Because it's a testament to God being faithful to his promises over and over again. Mm-hmm leading up to the ultimate one of Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
what the only one that hasn't been fulfilled, of course, is the second coming. Mm-hmm. I think of faith like gravity in the sense that just because you can't physically see gravity doesn't mean that you don't see the effects of gravity. You know gravity's there. Um, you trust that gravity's there, that trusting aspect. You don't wake up in the morning and go, eh, we'll see. No, you trust that gravity is there. You walk around trusting as gravity's there, that it's going to do its job. That is faith. You have faith that gravity will keep you down on the earth. That's the type of faith that it needs to be, that uh, dependence we have upon gravity, which is a thing that God created, we should have that same faith times, you know, infinitely more to God, but in in an infinitesimal part there, just a snippet. Right. I get that. And then when you, when someone comes to faith, you, we don't ever like to talk about that term, you know, sanctification. Right. I think one thing that if I've noticed more that I've gone or that we changed churches Mm -hmm. and kind of been thinking about more and more and I was starting to even when we were at Max Creek is that I'm so thankful that church is not just like a single person thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about how we pray for one another, we encourage one another, but we were kind of thinking about talking about the effects of sin on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. We were talking about First Thessalonians chapter 4 and how the men there were warned to be careful of sexual sin Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes that's we forget as americans Mm -hmm. of that corporate i don't know if corporate is the right word to say but we always like tend to think of sin in individual terms right Mm -hmm. and we think it's just in between me and god if something Mm -hmm. goes wrong Mm -hmm. or if i mess this up okay no big deal it's not gonna affect anybody else it's because of Mm -hmm. me when in reality we really forget that Mm -hmm. i mean i can really think of it right now as like we talked about jericho today Mm -hmm. and the fall of jericho and because of one man i think aiken is the guy in that one maybe but there's a guy who took the wrong things and israel the next day loses the war that they were going to fight for the next city. And him and his whole family are killed because of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sin's not just something that doesn't affect other people. Mm-hmm. Even if you think it's something as simple as pornography, even if you think it's something as simple as lust, it'll come back to bite you in the butt mm-hmm. and affect your wife, your children. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it a couple of times. And I know from personal experience that it's easy to want to tiptoe that line. Mm -hmm. But in the end, this is, this is the warning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is where you need to pay attention and be like, it's not worth it in the end. I think of a a real world example here, not to pick on a a guy that's, that's dead, but Rabbi Zacharias, you think of his, his ministry um, he was considered one of the greatest apologists, you know, the world has ever seen. Fast ministry that helped millions of people, you know, dare I say. And n- no sooner than... It was maybe like a month. Yeah, it may have been a month. It may have been sooner than that even. I don't yeah. necessarily... I mean, because it was like right after his death. All of a sudden, people are coming out of the woodwork being like, no, he sexually assaulted people and so on and so forth. And... uh from my limited bit of research, it wasn't a, like a few people saying these things. It was several right. with documentation and proof. And uh, a lot of people had known about it and covered it up. And this man's ministry, everything that he'd worked for, destroyed. But you think, oh, that sucks. But think about his poor family. 
and how devastated they are. I mean, uh, he left behind, I believe, a, a wife and a daughter. And they, I mean, think about the, the repercussions for them. You know, you know, whatever you may feel when you say, when you look at the story, and you're like, man, he's a great man. That was someone they loved, truly. And to find out that he was in such heinous sin. I mean, that there is no reconciliation that can be done at that point. Yeah. The time has passed. And all that has to do with sexual immorality. It corrupted to the absolute core. And it left behind deeper scars that he was gone. So it wasn't just a sin that he had. You know, it affected everything. His whole ministry. His whole ministry. It affected what he left behind. Right. Yeah, and I think that's one of the important things of... I understand why there's, like, the single pastor model. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this is one of the reasons why it's a group of elders. Mm -hmm. Because these men are all together. These are to encourage one another to help lead the flock. But, I mean, it's a safeguard, too. Mm -hmm. These are the people who you should be able to trust and say, hey, I'm really messing up. Understand that there are still consequences for sins mm-hmm. right yeah i mean if you're you're an elder and you have sexual immorality have an affair murder somebody or something else mm-hmm. realize that there's still going to be consequences yes but we as christians need to be better at being able to open up about our sin and to be accountable to one another mm-hmm. and not for the other christian to judge the other one but just say hey we both struggle with some sort of sin. Mm-hmm. This is scripture. We need to look into it. We need to pray about it. Mm-hmm. We need to worship together and to be better at conforming each other into the image of God. Yeah. Do you know, I, I, I do honestly think that sometimes we idolize the Christian life. Well, air quotes, Christian life above the actual Christian life to the point that like when those sins come up and the, those things happen, um, people slip and fall. We don't want to share it. We don't want to talk about it because it might affect our standing in the church, which results to a pride issue. It might affect our relationships with others, um, which is ignorant because it's going to affect our relationships no matter what. And sometimes we want to hold on to that, you know, we're obeying God. And so we fall back into the Old Testament ways of Israel, sacrificing on the high places to the altars, to foreign gods, and then going to the synagogue. Yeah. And so we bring even greater judgment upon ourselves for not opening ourselves up. And sometimes, as terrible as this is, for leaders and teachers and other people, when you fall into sin, it's important to confess that to your fellow believers, even if it means losing your position, even if it means people will look at you, you know, maybe you perceive people will look at you different. Maybe they will look at you different. It doesn't matter. Right. It comes to the point of kind of the story of the rich young ruler. He's talking about how he's great at following all these things, but he's followed all the commandments since he is young. Then Jesus tells him to sell all his possessions. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, yes, this is a material thing. But what would happen in the question if it went to your position? Is your relationship with Jesus more important mm-hmm. or the pride and standing of where you were? Mm-hmm. I mean, that. That's the real question. Yeah. And thinking back on First Thessalonians, the first thing was that we're to please God, mm-hmm. or try to please God, and we do that by obeying him. And that's not something we don't talk about enough because we don't want to become in that legalistic sense. Mm-hmm. And I understand why people don't want to, I mean, try to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we really need to realize that there's still this part of obeying God, staying holy to his word, mm-hmm. and being set apart, being holy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about how Paul Washer talks about how his wife 
cuts up carrots. Yeah. And you cut the carrot, separate it, cut the carrot, separate it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we as Christians don't always necessarily want to do because we don't want to cut ourselves away. We don't want to set ourselves apart. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say is we don't like to be the eyeballs out. Yeah. We always want to be loved, to be, Mm -hmm. have affection. Mm -hmm. We might not always be the best at showing it, but at some point in time, everybody wants it. Mm -hmm. We want it and we don't want to give it up. Even if it means us growing closer to God, even if it, you know, that means confessing our sins and, and, and moving on. Cause maybe that is the act that God is using to cut you away and separate you because that's an idol in your life and he's trying to get it out of there. Right. And I think you hit that well that, you know, we, we tend to, it's amazing how we, we don't think of ourselves as the rich young ruler as Christians, but that story is so applicable because at really any point in our Christian walk, we can become just like that. When we step off the path of following Christ and instead start gaining material possessions, maybe it's not material possessions, maybe it's you know prideful possessions in the sense of standings and, and status and certificates and degrees and licenses or you name it. Right. Or along similar lines, I mean, that we become Pharisees in our own sense. I mean, that's mm-hmm. another group that really comes to mind thinking along that mm-hmm. is that these are the men who speak for God, who are supposed to teach his word to explain it to the common folk and be the ones who interpret his law mm-hmm. so that the people can follow him better. Mm-hmm. But in the end, we miss that. I mean, first Peter says that, Christians are to be a priestly people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole point of God choosing humanity, choosing Israel was that Israel was supposed to be is to show the world who God was mm-hmm. by how they reacted with him, interacted with him and worshiped him. Mm-hmm. We see that falls apart. Then Jesus comes and shows what it's really supposed to be and incorporates the the church. Mm-hmm. The church. We're supposed to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. How do we do it perfectly? If you look at history, absolutely mm-hmm. not. And we still don't today. I mean, time and time again, you see those scandals such as Rabbi Zacharias, mm-hmm. um, Mark Driscoll, mm-hmm. and other people who I can't think of right now. I mean, we get caught up in our own sins and our own vices. Mm-hmm. And the reality of sanctification is not that we are to be perfect here on earth. No. But the reality is that we're supposed to try to grow together. Mm -hmm. We're trying to be in the word, trying to help Mm -hmm. be holy, to set ourselves apart, Mm -hmm. to actually discipline ourselves to follow scripture. Mm -hmm. And we can't always see ourselves for what we are. And that's why we need other people. Mm -hmm. We need God's word. I mean, those are both great mirrors that God uses to really reflect upon ourselves and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. you're messing up here. Yeah. I think trying to do the solo Christian life is impossible really because we haven't been, I mean, even we look at the apostles, none, none of the apostles lived a solo life. They all carried individuals with them. They always had ministry together. They always had accountability. They always had people to to grow. Um, you have the Apostle Paul standing up to Peter. Peter was wrong in the book of Galatians. What what happens? He, he stands up to his face for simply eating with the Jews and not the Gentiles. So, and, and how does Peter receive it? He accepts it. He was called out biblically. He was called out for his hypocrisy, and he he took it. He didn't yell back at Paul. He didn't get upset. He said, you're right, I was wrong. And that was it. And we're talking about an apostle who, what, this is, I don't know exactly the time, it's probably two, 
Well, I don't know the timeline. It might have been two years after Christ was raised. It was a few years after Christ was raised, I believe. Uh, you're asking the wrong person. So, two or three years, I believe, in timeline frame. Eh, stretching. Don't know. But <laughs> he, uh, sanctification is something that as believers, when we first become believers, we first profess our faith. It's an easy doctrine to grasp. We understand it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow. It's going to be great. I think sanctification is painful from then on. Yeah. After that honeymoon phase wears off and you realize, you know, you get comfortable. Yeah, it goes along with what Kyle was saying today. And he's talking about how faith and we get people like Joel Osteen, mm-hmm. Joyce Meyer, and other people who say, have faith that this will work out. Mm-hmm. But there'll be wealth, there'll be blessings, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And we hate to look at the hard parts of Scripture. Like, okay, Paul was stoned because of what he did. Mm-hmm. And didn't die that time, but... He was shipwrecked. I mean, he, he, was he was stoned, prison. he was shipwrecked. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was whipped. Jesus was mocked. Jesus had no home. No. John and, was boiled alive. Yeah. Um, Other Christians were Andrew, beheaded, crucified. Andrew, I think, was driven through with the spear. I think he was driven through. One of them was driven through. This. Is it Andrew or Philip? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. And then another one had gone all the way to India, possibly, and was killed out there. Being a Christian and having faith doesn't mean that life is going to be easy, that life is going Mm. to be blessed. It doesn't mean that you'll have a wealthy retirement set up at the end of your lifetime. Mm -hmm. What it means is that you're putting God's will first before your own. Mm -hmm. And whether that be leading to persecution, whether that be leading to a place that you don't want to live. I mean, Mm -hmm. It's all possibilities. But in reality, we need to be looking for what God's will is for us and to be able to do that. And pursue it regardless of pain and suffering. Yeah. And I know this is a lot easier said (laughs) than done. I promise. I understand. The the best, this was the best analogy I've ever heard from sanctification. Um, It's not mine. It was James White's said it was his father's that that told him this. But he gave the analogy that sanctification is like a goldsmith. And the way a goldsmith works the gold is he takes this lump of rock and he sticks it in the fire. And as it melts in the fire, he he pulls it out. And you think he's done, but he's not. And so while it's, while it's fresh, you know, he tries to morph it and then he puts it back in the fire. And he'll take it back out of the fire. And then he puts it back in the fire. And he takes it back out of the fire. And he does this. And he keeps doing this work and work and work and work. And the object of putting it back in the fire and taking it back out is to remove all the impurities from the metal. Right. And you're bubbling out. You are forcing the impurities out of the metal so that when you polish the metal at the end, you can see your own reflection in it. And that's God's work in us. He is putting us through sanctification, he's cutting us, he's separating us, he's putting us in the fire. We're in the fire, but the fire's there for a purpose. It's to bring us back out. Those times of trials are refining us for a purpose. Right, to, to grow our faith and relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And we either keep our eyes on Christ or we walk away. Mm-hmm. We think about what's going on in Lamentations right now. Mm-hmm. And the whole time the author who we think is Jeremiah mm-hmm. is lamenting the fact of what's going on, that it's so terrible. I mean, this is a really horrific event mm-hmm. in Jerusalem's time, but in the end he's not blaming God for what God is doing without reason. He's realizing that their sin has brought them to this point and that he knows in the future that God's going to reclaim them and bring them back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we need to remember. It's to praise God in the times of the greatness and times of the, where we're lamenting, where mm-hmm. we're mourning. I think that's something we miss in nowadays time too, is 
we don't we don't get the morning as much. No, we're we blessed. try to be, we try to be blessed. We want to look blessed, mm-hmm. but there's not very many times where we're and, going to tear our clothes yeah. and sit in ash. Hey, going back to the the group the group aspect of this, and like in those morning moments, in those moments that you're that that you're in that trial, it doesn't mean that you need to suffer alone. And that's what the church is there for. That's what we are there for as the church is to help people in their suffering. When you're struggling with sin, you don't run away from the church. You run to the church. Because if you run away from the presence of God, how do you actually expect to change? Right. If you run away from other believers who God is working just as he is in you, then how do you expect to be changed? And, we tend to not, and I know that's trials, but even when you think about you know losing a loved one and all those pain and agony, that should draw us closer to God, and it should draw us closer to His church, His body of believers, so that we can depend on one another. I don't know if I say it should, because I definitely think Satan can use that as a tool. Yeah. I think in the end, we need to remember. We need to run to those people. Well, that's what I mean. We yeah. need to run to those people. That's what I mean. Yeah, is we and need to run to those people. But in those moments, we tend to we tend to not want to. Right, and that's where I'm. I want to clarify is because mm-hmm. it's in our nature to not want to tell people about the bad week because mm-hmm. we're worried about what they'll perceive, our pride. what the consequences are, and yeah, our pride and our vanity gets mm-hmm. in the way of that, mm-hmm. and just want to make sure that people understand what the church is there for. Mm -hmm. And this is going to Christians just as much as non-believers. I mean, we say that the church is supposed to be a hospital for the broken. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, everybody is broken in there. (laughs) All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Right. There's none righteous, no, not one. And it's not our righteousness that gets us into heaven, even after we become saved. Yeah. Many times... We were like, yeah, yeah, I eat. no, I know, it's all Christ's righteousness. I just got to be better. You're like, did you hear what I said? Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not your righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness. Mm-hmm. And if you're pulling away from the body of Christ, how do you expect to renew your righteousness? How do you expect to grow in righteousness? Right. How do you expect to see where you are? Yeah. We all know we have our blind spots. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that I can think of right now is there's a secretary in a show that we're watching, Suits, hmm. and her name's Donna. And one of the things she does is like, I know people. And it's like, I know people better than they know themselves. But I mean, it's true. Hmm. We might not know ourselves as well as we think. Yeah. And sometimes we need that outside perspective to really think about that. Mm-hmm. There's another book, the Inheritance series. One of the things about a person is that everybody has a true name in the ancient language, which is how they use their magic and things like that. But in order to know what your name is in the language, you really have to know yourself and think about yourself. Hmm. And that's not something you can always do without really sitting back and seeing who you are through other people's eyes. Yeah. I think of preaching. Some of the greatest growths or moments of growth is having someone else in as much as we don't like it is critique your preaching. When you say, Hey, um, I'm, you know, Hey, you know, you don't, you don't quite use your hands very much. Hey, you don't move around very much. Hey, you kind of sound monotone. You know, you're like, well, that's kind of a jerk thing to say, but then you sit back and you're like, no, no, you're right. You're right. And I know I have grown. At least I hope. I hope my preaching's reflected it. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I hope my preaching has gotten better through people critiquing me. And I have hopefully improved on my preaching. Uh, you know, the same thing with teaching. I, I have hoped that through critiques, I've adjusted my teaching to actually be more presentable, better, well organized, and so on and so forth. And, you know, when you're walking one by one in your in your Christian life, 
and you say, you, you open up to people, you let them in, you let them see the pain and suffering, they can spot when you're starting to slide into the muddy pit mm-hmm. a lot sooner than you. Because you're like, no, I got control of it, man. I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. You know? It's like the alcoholic. I, I'm just having one drink. I'm good. I can stop. Yeah. Well, it sounds like our time's about up. Yes. We weren't thinking that we would go an hour this time, but it looks like we have. So we're going to go off and enjoy our Super Bowl party with fellowship and spending time with friends and fellow believers. But we want wanted to do an episode of Banner for you guys. I mean, it's partly our fault. We're not the greatest at keeping up with studying, but yeah, we've that's... also been pretty busy. But we really enjoyed this episode, too. Yeah. I mean, I like getting to talk about spiritual things. matters. Yeah, it sometimes helps things move yeah. a lot it's better speaking about we're having a bunch of believers over tonight i'm sure there'll be a discussion at some point about something yeah it tends to be at these things <laughs> that makes it interesting it's all colton's fault i have ruined a few parties <laughs> just ask <laughs> remington <laughs> just kidding <laughs> but thanks guys for listening remember we're on all major podcasts right now spotify itunes podbean and the other ones, they'll probably come Pandora? later. Pandora? I don't. I haven't heard anything back, but I haven't really okay. checked the okay. podcast email as much lately. We've been trying for that one. Otherwise, just remember that. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you want. Those yes. help us get in the playlist better. But if not, be honest with your review. Absolutely. We're all right with that. But thanks again for listening. My name's Logan. My name is Colton. Thanks again for listening, guys. And God bless. <laughs>